We just need to own it. And we talked about that last episode. This episode, I would, I would add something to this. I don't know about your opinion for your thoughts, but for me, the opinion for your thoughts is own it so you can fix it. I mean, this, this episode will be fix it, but when you combine it with the two, own it so you can fix it. Do step one, own it, so you can get step two, fix it. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts. Brought to you by Happy Life Studios. Now here's Steve-O and Nina. How long did it take you to own it and why did it take you that long? Like my, with my anxiety? Mm-hmm. Gosh, well, hey, I started dealing with anxiety. I was like 12. Um, but see, for many, many years, like through high school and then into college, like I didn't know what I was struggling with. Like I knew I had it. Like I always felt like something was wrong or I would always get scared in certain situations. And it was like this big question mark, like what's going on with me? Like, what, what is this? So, um, but it wasn't until like, I, what was that? That's the big question mark. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it wasn't until, and I mentioned this in the Limelight podcast, it was after I had Hopi, you know, our, our last child, um, that, like, it just got really bad. Like, I, I couldn't, like, I was just having panic attacks a lot. I couldn't drive. I was afraid to go out in public. I was afraid to stay home alone. And, um, like, when it got to that point where I'm like, okay, this isn't normal, and it really started scaring me. Um, like I recognized I need to get help. And like I said, in the limelight podcast, um, I, uh, in, in our book, in our recovery class, I, and I still remember this, this quote, it said, it's not a far, what, what was it? Oh, being, being afraid and not wanting to drive and being homebound in your home uh, there's not much distance between those two. Um, and so that really scared me because I just, I realized like, like this isn't normal, like not like being afraid to drive, being afraid to go out in public. Like I, it, it just scared me to a point where I recognize I need to get help. And the first thing I did was I told Tim my husband, um, I told him what was going on. And, um, and at that point, that's all I knew what to do because I just felt so alone and scared and confused. Like, like something is really wrong with me. Now, why didn't, why didn't you tell him earlier? Cause I mean, you, you've shared with us before that you struggled for like 14 years with anxiety. So now mm-hmm. you're married. Why did it take you so long to share it with him? Um, I guess like, I know like when we were dating and engaged, I was in college and I didn't, nobody knew. And it was simply because like I was embarrassed and ashamed. Okay. Okay. Um, And then we were married. um, And so like after we were married, we, you know, we had our kids right away and it didn't look like anxiety. It was postpartum depression um, and like, we struggled through that. 
Um, and then when I was pregnant with Hopi, um, a lot of things seemed to subside and it was a great pregnancy and I was feeling great. Wasn't really struggling with any of that, but then, um, you know, after I had her and all the, like, I know it was all the hormonal fluctuations after having a baby, you know, my anxiety started up again. It's like, Oh my gosh, like I remember this. Um, and so it was Hopi was, I want to say like eight, nine months old when it really got bad where I just, I was afraid to go out in public, couldn't drive. Um, so after I had her, like, it just seemed to get worse and worse. So she was about like eight months old. And then I told Tim, I said like, this is what I'm struggling and I am really scared. And also I, I to a certain degree, I don't think I had to say anything. I think it was so obvious. Like I was crying all the time, struggling, very worried all the time. So he could see the signs, but then, um, yeah, I think I just had to get to a point where I realized, gosh, this is bad. Um, and then I, I just told him, you know, and at that point it's like, I don't care what he thinks anymore. Like I'm just so desperate for help. So. Wow. Were you surprised when, with Tim's response to you, how did you think he was going to respond to you and how did he respond to you? Um, yeah, I was surprised actually with how he responded. So I told him what I was struggling with, how I was feeling, the things I was afraid of, um, you know, which was all new to my life. Um, and so I figured it would be this big dramatic conversation. Like he would be shocked and he was simply like, he was like, okay. Um, like not, not that it was no big deal, but to him, it was, it, to me, like, man, this is horrible. I'm never going to get over this. And he just kind of always had that perspective from the very beginning. Okay. Like we can, we can handle this. We can get through this kind of thing. And so to me, I was like, Oh, okay. At that, at that point, um, do you, were you like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I tell him sooner? Were you kind of wishing that you would have? Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And once I told him, I felt so much better. Um, I wasn't embarrassed about it anymore. And so for that also was like, man, like, why didn't I, I tell him like years ago, you know, like, yeah. isn't right. that, this feels better. I think for me, my first step towards recovery was just saying something. Cause this was a big secret that I, hid and something I tried to figure out on my own for so yeah. many years. And it's like, man, like just saying something like yeah. helped me so much. That one thing, just saying something. And I want to say to all of you that are watching or listening that, um, that we always, that the thing we want to keep it silent because we're embarrassed or we think we shouldn't be feeling this way or what is wrong with me. And we, so we don't share it, but Keeping it silent, keeping it in the darkness, that's where mold happens is when you keep that closed up, when you shed the light on it, when you open up the drapes, when you open it, you know, to a house that's been abandoned forever, what you let the sun in, the sun will come in and take care of a lot of that stuff. And, and we, you need to find someone, we need you to, to be your best self. And that means to own it. So you can share it with somebody when you owned it. You're like, I, I've got to talk to somebody. Uh, but it got really bad with you before you actually did. And, and then when you said you were, you know, you're, you thought it was postpartum. So you thought that it had gone away and also when it came back, that totally reminds me of a story. Okay. And talk about owning it. Like we talked about in, the, in our last episode. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I shared the story with you if I should share it or not. And you said, yeah, go ahead and do it. But I was kind of hoping you were going to say no, because 
I have to own this story right here. I did something really stupid. Like I say, you know, my name is Steve. My friends call me Steve-O. Those who really know me call me Steve, uh uh-oh. And this was a Steve uh uh-oh moment. I know when I share this, I've got a lot of friends that are going to hold this over me. And I, I, but I, I'm embarrassed to share this. I I don't want to share it, but my neighbor gave us their old smoker. And so I was smoking some brisket yesterday and, um, and I was having the hardest time. You got to keep the temperature right around 200, 200, 250, like that the entire all day. And I've got a charcoal. I'm used to, it's easy. If you've got a barbecue grill, you just, you know, but a charcoal grill, I've never used that. Well, the smoker is charcoal and the way it's set up, there's a separate con- compartment that all the charcoal is in. And then your meat is in a, a bigger compartment over here. And you got to keep that charcoal ignited and you got to by hand, there's, it's not like a Traeger grill or one of those where you can just turn it to the temperature. By hand, you got to keep adding charcoal briquettes. Well, my charcoal, I didn't realize you're supposed to put a grate over the top. I, it had no air. To, it was suffocating itself. So when, the, when the, I would go out there and, and I'd see the temperatures way down, so I'd throw some more briquettes on there, but they weren't lighting. I'd go back in. I'd watch the football game, whatever, and they were still – they were still not lighting. They were just, they were just smoldering there. And I thought they're just sitting there, but that fire had been going already for eight hours or so. So it was smoldering down in there, but I'm not seeing any flames and the new briquettes aren't lighting on fire. So what do I do? I grab some lighter fluid, right? And you spray spray the lighter fluid on there. Now that's one of the first things you taught as a kid. Don't just spray that on the fire, but you know, you bet every man does it right. You squirt a little bit on there. And I would squirt around there and it would start a fire. And then I would go back inside. I'd come back out and it was extinguished again. And I was like, you know what? Those briquettes need to be, when you start, the mistake people make is they put the briquettes on, then they put the lighter fluid on, but they don't let the lighter fluid soak in long enough. So lighter fluid lights, but then it's just on the surface. It's not down in it. And so I tried it again. And, but this time there was no flame. So I squirted some more on there. There's no flame. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but truth is I'm not thinking because everyone knows what's going to happen. You, you don't just, that fire will follow up that, that squirt, the bottle and it'll come right in the bottle. I mean, it's, it, I thought this was a cat scan before too. Oh, talk about owning, I'm so stupid. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking, which I'm not thinking, I'm saying, you know what? If I keep spraying it on there, the more lighter fluid I get on those briquettes, the more might get in it. And then the fire might stay longer. And so I kept squirting, man. When it happened, you know, I wasn't going to share the story. And then as I'm standing there, I'm looking down at my shirt and I see this, the shirt <laughs> I'm wearing, the plastic, big, big, huge, the blast.fm. Uh, I'm on that radio station. You should check it out. But um, also I look down and I'm like, okay, I think God's telling me I'm supposed to share this story. And then you say, we want to talk about owning it tonight. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, when that, when that, lighter fluid finally did ignite boom i mean it was it put a hole in my in my pants that i was wearing there's a big old black burnt hole about that big all right see my finger right there i don't want to gross anyone out but the that blister my whole it singed the hair on my arms i was i immediately checked my god like do i still have my eyebrows i mean it was boom it was a big old sound and i got lucky i got lucky i mean i could have really been injured um, that could have been really bad because I just kept, I kept pouring more fuel onto the fire because I wasn't seeing anything. And it reminds me of what you were talking about. Like I said, why didn't you share it? And you said, well, I was embarrassed, you know, and, and you're trying to help along, but then all of a sudden you had Hopi. And by the way, you got to check out, uh, uh, check out that, that podcast that she did limelight and I'll leave a, in the show notes, I'll leave a, 
the the outer sports. If you guys want to go to that podcast, it's really good that Nana did. That's kind of what birthed this whole thing. But you had you you thought that the anxiety had gone away. That's why you didn't share because you thought the anxiety had gone away. But that fire was still there. Yeah. All those coals were still smoldering. We're figure this out on my own or I can handle it on my own. Yeah. But it was still there. And when it finally did catch, it exploded on you. I mean, when it exploded on me, I went inside and I was like, <laughs> your wife is probably what? <laughs> so I went inside and I, luckily she hadn't seen it. Right. And she had turned her, her back and was walking back towards her office. I'm like, Oh, is she turning her back on me? And then I, and then I kind of, was paying attention. Oh, if she would have seen it, she would have said something. So I'm like, and then I almost, I didn't want to tell her because it was stupid. I know better than that. I know better than that. You could pour some lighter fluid on there, but you don't keep, I know better than that. But I, I was so focused on getting that fire back. I was so, sometimes we're so focused on the project. We're so focused on getting this job done. We're so focused on if I could just put a few more in there and we ignore all the signs that's going on or, you know, that, that anxiety didn't go away for you. It was still there, but it was under the cover of, you know, you thought it was postpartum depression. You thought it was having a new baby. You thought it was whatever, but, but you got to own it so you can get it fixed. Like last episode, we talked about owning it, but this episode we're talking about step two is get it fixed. And that is always there. And when we're, when I'm angry, when I'm whatever, when I'm lonely and that's there, just cause I'm not showing signs of it right now, does not mean that that's still not smoldering there. And I need to own that. Like you were saying, you, you kept putting lighter fluid and you kept, putting lighter fluid and then exploded like we, you know we talked about in our class like before we have our big anxiety panic attack explosion before it becomes chronic there are habits that we have in our life that we we just continue that contribute to become an anxious person our body gives us physical warning signs of hey we need to slow down we need more rest um, and we ignore, ignore, ignore until one day we have a huge panic attack or we're crippled with anxiety and we really need help. And that was the situation with me. Um, you know, just the, the habitual ha- the habit of negative thinking, of worrying all the time. Those were habits very ingrained into my life, into my mind. And I just kept those up year after year after year. And they turned me into a very anxious person or, um, you know, years of, you know, trying to get one more thing done on my to-do list instead of resting, working so much, you know, pushing myself. And you might have a good day. So you don't see any signs. You don't think that you think it, but that's still smoldering there. That anger is still smoldering. That discouragement is still smoldering. And for me, you know, pushing myself and being a perfectionist and not letting myself rest, not eating well, not taking care of myself, not sleeping. For years, I struggled with headaches and migraines. Hello, my body was telling me way back then, um, we need to slow down. You need to take care of yourself. And I would just pop some ibuprofen. Okay, I feel better. I can keep going. And um, until one day, it's like, man, I... I can, I literally cannot function anymore because I'm crippled with anxiety and panic attacks. And so, yeah, it's just, it's owning, taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, taking care of your, your mind, you know, and all those things I said, make sure like, you're not always just working all the time, go and have fun, get enough sleep, rest, Yeah. you you know, take, take care of your body. How are you eating? How are you thinking? Um, 
you know, when we own those personal choices every day, those personal habits, we can help ourselves heal from anxiety instead of putting ourselves deeper, you know, digging a deeper hole. So Penny, for your thoughts for me, Nana, last episode, we talked about own it and that was it. And I said, should we add anything to that? And you're like, nope, own it. Before we started recording, you're like, that's it. And I'm like, you're right. That is it. We just need to own it. And we talked about that last episode. This episode, I would, I would add something to this. I don't know about your opinion for your thoughts, but for me, the opinion for your thoughts is own it so you can fix it. I mean, this, this episode will be fix it. But when you combine it with the two, own it so you can fix it. Do step one, own it so you can get step two, fix it. So I want to I want to ask you uh, another question. We started doing with it on the last episode, but but when you finally did do something about it, when you finally did own it, and you started on step number two, fix it. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? Okay, so the first part of owning it was I had to tell somebody. So I told my husband. I had I just had to confess. This is what I'm struggling with, um, and and I told him I need help. And just asking for help and being honest, like with my, what I am struggling with was huge first step. And it was huge. It made me feel so much better just to get it, get this out in the open and in the light instead of hiding it. And I want you to know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want you to know before I forget that, that when you started talking about owning it inside, Nina, I was proud of you. I was like, way to go, girl. When you said I had to own it, I, last episode, you talked about, I had thoughts and, um, and a lot of the reason why I'm struggling with it is because I, how I dealt with those things, how I, the, I had those habits of, when you said that, I want you to know that I respected you. I respect you already, but I respected you even more. Your respect level for me went up a whole nother notch when you said I had to own it. I was thinking incorrectly. I was, I wanted to blame other people, but I want you know, and for, for those of you that are watching that are listening, the same is true. When we finally come out and say, wait a minute, this is on me, or here's the part that's on me. Instead of trying to, when you try to blame somebody else, you tend, you tend to lose respect. But when you say, I need to own what I, and here's where I own it. I was, I'm sorry, I was wrong or whatever the case may be. And so no, no, that, that just increased your respect. And I think I wanted everyone else to hear that. Um, but so, so you told your husband, number one, you confessed it. Anything else? The second thing I did after that, and again, this isn't like, this isn't a guidebook. So this is what you do. And this is what you do. This right. is my story and how it, it turned out. Um, so talk to him and it was like, okay, we need to get some help, like professional help of some sort. So all I knew to do was, okay, I guess I go call my doctor. So I called my doctor. I got in. And I think that's a good move, by the way, especially when you don't know what else to do. I think that was very smart. Especially because I knew part of this was some sort of postpartum hormonal thing. It's like, I should probably go to the doctor, kind of see, let's start there and see what's going on. I just knew like I'm having like a mental breakdown. I can't drive. I'm too afraid to go in public. Like something is wrong. And so what I knew what to do was cause you hear it all the time. Talk to your doctor. So I called, made an appointment. Um, so I went in and saw her and just told her what I was struggling with. And um, so one thing we talked about was medication and I was not able to take any medication because at the time I was breastfeeding my daughter and you can't take medication when you're nursing. So um so that option was off the table. I know I never do when I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm. 
So that option was off the table. Um, and so then we talked about, okay, let's get like some counseling of some sort. And so she wrote me a referral to a doctor and um, like I held on to the number for a while. I was honestly kind of like nervous to call. Any idea why? Because it's scary. Like this is like, I've I, know, never... me, I don't know if you're old enough for this, but growing up, man, they, we called them shrinks. Head oh. doctors, right? It was, it was when I was growing up, it was like, you never, boy, you didn't, you didn't go see a shrink. You didn't go see a psychiatrist. You didn't, the Bible is full of talking about getting godly counsel, but I think there's a stigma. There used to be anyway. I don't know if that was still in your thing, but I just want, kind of want to know why you were afraid to go talk to a psychiatrist. I think for me, maybe it was a stigma because I, I think partly I felt, wow, if I make this official, like go talk to a psychiatrist then there's something wrong with me. <laughs> right, right. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So they gave she gave you the number to call a psychiatrist, but you're afraid to call. Yeah, so I held on to the number. Um, and it was, it, like, I, I forget how long it was, maybe like a week or so. Where I, but I love I, the fact that you didn't throw the number away. You held on to it, right? On to- Even though you didn't want to do it, but you didn't jump into it right away, but you still held on to it. Yeah, I was hesitant. So during that time of me trying to process, could, you know, work the nerve up to actually call, make an appointment. Um, I had a a catalog from our church. It was a class catalog and where they have, they offer all these classes at church um, about all these different subjects, you know, where you can go and, you know, learn about something or uh, volunteer or whatever. And so I'm flipping through it one night and then I get to one page and it said freedom road and that was the name of one of the classes. So I'm reading the description and it said, uh, basically this class is like a recovery class support group for people with chronic anxiety and chronic panic attacks. Wow. And it kind of like struck a chord with me. Like, wow, that's unusual. Like, like I've never seen this before, like at a church. And so I grabbed my phone and I Googled, the definition of anxiety, Googled what panic attacks were. And as I'm reading through the description, I'm like, my mind is blown. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is what I'm struggling with. Like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happening. Yes. Like this is me. And so it, um, I was able to put a name to what I had been dealing with, not just really bad in the last several months, but, all these years, you know, 10 plus years of my life. It's that like, had to have been unbelievable. Yeah. And of course I had heard of the word anxiety before I'd heard of panic attacks before, but I never really knew what they were. Um, and so it was so comforting to just put a name to what I'm struggling with. And wow, like there's like a, a place is offering to help people with it. And so, um, I showed it to Tim and I said, Tim, I think this is what I'm struggling with. And um, so I decided instead to go with that class through my church because I honestly did feel more comfortable doing it there. I mean, I I was more familiar with the church. Um, The people, you know, a lot of people that are going there. Um, You trust them, you know them, you don't know this other person you're going to call out of the blue. I get it. I get it. And so um, 
I decided, you know what, I'm, I still held on to the doctor's referral, but I was like, you know what? Um, I, I think it'd be too much for me to try and do both. I want to start here. So I called up the lady who taught the class with my teacher and, um, told her what was going on and talked to her and she was very kind over the phone and, um, signed up. And I think I started like two weeks later, the class started, um, which was nice because they offer the class like in the beginning of the year and at the end of the year. And I'm just really grateful that I found it basically just in time and I didn't have yeah. to wait forever. Right. Cause when you're going through that, man, yeah. One day feels like ten, you know, and two weeks is a long enough time to wait. But there had to have been some hope enter the scene when you're like, "But I'm going to start this class." I felt very hopeful, like, "Oh my goodness!" Like, like there are people who know what this is. I'm not alone anymore. There are other people struggling. Like, I can get help. So it was very comforting to know, like, like I can get better. Um, and so I started the class two weeks later. So part of owning it was, okay, I told Tim, I got a problem. I need help. And then the second part was, okay, let's actually, let's do something about this. So I think the first step was, okay, call my doctor. I went down that avenue and then, you know, and I know it was God that I stumbled upon this class because I wasn't looking for it. And then, you know, this other option came my way and I got to make a choice and I chose to go with the class, you know, and it was owning it, taking that personal and, and here you are, Penny, for your thoughts later. I mean, here you are helping people now with yes. that. No, no, that just, and I believe it was God too. And I'll tell you why, because that, that's how God seems to do it. It was when you took the step that you're going to go in this direction and it was scary. And you're like, but you didn't throw the number away because in your mind, even though you hadn't called that person, you're still moving in that direction. Right. And when you decided to move forward, then God was able to show up and say, okay, it's like when you're teaching your kids how to ride a bike, right? They got to start moving first, you know, and they can't balance that bike when it's standing still, they got to be moving, but they don't want to be moving because if they're moving, then they fall and they can't balance and they fall, then they got to get hurt. And so it's a catch 22 thing, but they can't balance until they start moving. Right. And when you started moving, God came like, like you're like a parent to a kid trying to ride a bike. God showed up and said, wait a minute, but I got another plan for you. I got a plan for you. And that happened. It, it, all those 14 years that that never dropped in your lap or you never noticed it. It wasn't until you finally said, wait a minute, I need to own it so I can fix it. And you talked to someone about it and then you made steps towards fixing it. And then this thing dropped in your lap. And I'm telling you, I love how that happens. And it happens all the time. And I don't know you watching this or listening to this, if you believe in God or not, um, you might want to call it karma or whatever. But I think when we take action, that's what happens. And I believe, I believe that there's a higher power. I believe there's a God out there that loves us and gave his life for us and, and wants to help us. And here's a sign of how he did it with Nina. Yeah. And I think part of owning it was, okay, I have this information. I know this class is being offered. I know it's starting in a few weeks. Like part of owning it is okay. As nervous as I am, as much as I don't want to deal with this, I know I have to get help. And I got to pick up that phone. I have to dial the number. I need to call and I need to sign up. And then like I talked about in our limelight um, podcast, I went further, you know, into detail. Like once I actually started the class, part of me owning it was every week when I would show up to class, um, when 
I would learn a new practical tool to put into practice when I became aware of a certain habit in my behavior and my thinking that was unhealthy. Part of owning it was, okay, I recognize these things. Now, between now and next week, my homework is we're going to practice this yeah. every day. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. So you, you have to put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just going to go away. You can't just keep pouring lighter fluid on it, hoping something. It's not going to go away. One day it's going to, it's going to blast on you. It's going to explode on you. And so, Nina, thank you. That is really good. Own it so you can fix it. Thank you for sharing with us a lot of those practical tips that you learned so that we can own our situation so that we can fix it as well and live a happy life. Thank you for having me. Our, our pleasure, man. You're awesome. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Happy Last Studio. Oh. Uh...